Brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome to uh, the second sermon in our summer sermon series called Light for My Path. As we mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, every week we're going to be reading just a few verses from Psalm 119 and discussing them. Um, so today, we're just going to look initially at the, at the very first verse here, verse 9 of Psalm 119. We heard it before, but here is what it says. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? So as I began studying this sermon text, my initial thought was, well, this should be relevant for our congregation because our congregation is relatively young. I went into our database. I officially looked it up. So at the moment, In Town Lutheran has 75 members. 90% of them are under the age of 45. Um, zero of them are retired so far, right? So we're just a really, really young group. And would you say there's blessings to being young? I think our culture would say like being young is good. Like you have things like health and strength and energy, although I'm losing it gradually as my children gain it. It's like they suction it away from me. But the health and strength, sometimes energy, and certainly opportunities. Like when you're young, the world is in front of you and you could do lots of different things. Uh, but yet being young has some challenges with it. And one of the challenges is that same very thing. It's that there's so many options. There's so many opportunities, maybe too many options. So we've all been there, I think, at different points of life. But just think about this. Like you're, you're 18 and you're trying to figure out which college to go to. Or you're 22 and you're trying to decide on a career. Or you're 25 and you're trying to decide on a relationship. And you sit there and you think about it, and you think about it, and you ask all the people in your life about it, and then you think about it some more, and you think about it until your head hurts, and finally you're just ready to, to burst out and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I wish that like, God would tell me and would show up at my doorstep or would send me a text or something and tell me where I'm supposed to go to school, what I'm supposed to study, whether I'm supposed to be with this person, what path am I supposed to take but we know that this isn't really how God operates, is with secret visits and text messages. God very often likes to give us options. He lets us problem solve. He says, here's your life. And it's great to have a life with all of these options, but sometimes it's a challenge to have a life with all these options because lots of options can bring lots of pressure. Right? You know, and I know, that the things that you do when you're young can affect things that happen years and years later. Um, the things you post on social media as a teen could affect your ability to get a particular job in your 20s. And the saving habits, the financial habits that you build in your 20s will affect whether or not you're able to retire in your 60s, like maybe you'd want to. Um, the exercise and diet habits that you put into place in your 30s may affect what your health looks like in your 80s, may affect if you make it to your 80s. Um, so some of the decisions that you make and the things you put in place early in life, they could affect you and your family for decades into the future. Do you ever feel a lot of pressure about that? Just a little, just a little bit. Like, do you ever feel like you're, you're standing in front of all these decisions? You do have all these different options, but 
You have anxiety that you're gonna mess up and pick the wrong path, and then there's gonna be decades worth of ramifications that come because of it. If you ever feel even just a tiny bit of anxiety about this, you're not alone. Um, I think this is something that probably every young person struggles with at one point or another. So this is the first big point today. We're going to God's word, and God's word is saying, you know, here is, as a young person, how to keep your way pure. And I think it's possible that we could read this, or we open this up, and we say, okay, great, so now God is going to tell me all these things that I have to do. You know, this is my favorite thing, is listening to what I have to do. But this is not a negative thing. This is not a, a bad thing. This is something we all are looking for. Like everyone in our world, and especially younger generations, are, are craving uh, wisdom. We, we want to make the right decisions. There's so many options. There's so many possibilities. We feel like the stakes are high, and we want to be on the right path, the wise path. And so God's word attempts to guide us in the path of wisdom. God wants to help us out. God wants to set us up for success. So from that angle, we now look at God's word. We say, okay, God's word is going to guide me on my paths. And the first thing that we notice is that maybe God focuses on different things than we do. Um, God is, he's still concerned, but he's less concerned than we are about the surface level decisions, like what school should I go to? What job should I plan for? What relationship should I pursue? Um, what God is more concerned about is what is beneath the surface and what's driving those decisions. God is concerned about our moral character. And this is a really common topic throughout, especially the Old Testament and the wisdom literature sections like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. A lot of these books are written from the perspective of like a father to his son, saying, son, life is going to throw a lot of options at you. You know, son, there are a lot of paths out there and not all of these paths are going to be good. So be wise while you're young because it's important. But on a moral level, then, I think the moral things that we do when we're young, they maybe affect us even more in the decades to come than a simple decision like what college we attend or what career we go for. So you just think about while we're young, some of the things that happen, it is while people are young that they maybe bully a classmate to such an extreme degree that they're still embarrassed to look them in the eye 25 years later at a high school reunion. Right? And it's while people are young that they maybe take up habits and develop addictions which could haunt them for years and years in their adulthood. It is while people are young that they tend to make rash and impulsive decisions. And this is just science, right? That isn't it? Your brain is not fully formed until you're age 25. I'm not trying to rip on anybody that's under 25, but this is just science at this point that we don't think things through as much when we're young. We dive into decisions. Uh, maybe we don't even think of it as a decision. We just do it. And then we sit back and reflect and say, well, maybe that was the wrong decision. So it's this combination of uh, maybe we're not thinking everything through, but we're old enough now to do some real damage to ourselves. Some of the decisions that we make, like in our 20s, could be very costly. They could come at the cost of, of a marriage, uh, of a career, of, of a life. You know, a lot of big life-altering mistakes are made while people are young. We all know this. So how can we avoid this? How can we be wise? Everybody, like Christian or not, everybody wants to do this. How can a young person stay on the right path? 
And the psalm writer answers that question. He says, well, we do it by living according to God's word. And this is a key point of this whole series, right? God's word is not just a book of spiritual abstract truth. God's word is a source of practical wisdom for every single day. So in this little section of it that we're studying today, God gives us three specific strategies for young people who would like to stay on the right path. Three specific specific strategies. So here's the first one. The psalm writer says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. It's a short verse, but look at it. Pay attention to the verbs, the action words, right? So I'm seeking, I want to be seeking God with my heart, moving towards God, so that I'm not straying and actively moving away from God and straying from his commands. The idea of this verse is that you're never sitting still. Like, spiritually, you're never sitting still. And it's a mistake to think that we could spiritually just sit still. Like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to take any of these different paths. But then when the opportunity for evil comes, like, I'll probably have the willpower to say no to it, right? The idea here is to be active and to be proactive. And if I am pursuing God and trying to do good, then when bad comes along, I'm already doing something. Uh, I'm already busy. So what does it look like? to be pursuing God and trying to consume myself with things that are good. Well, I think it's more than specific things we do. It's more about our mindset of how we look at our world. Where we say, my my story is part of a a big story. It's part of God's redemption story of, of humankind. And then my life here on earth, whatever amount of years I have, is just a little part of of my eternal story where I'm going to get to be in heaven with my God forever. And then my impact while I'm here is not just a tiny little earthly impact where I could help people with their day-to-day earthly issues. I can help people. God can enable me to help people spiritually, eternally, by connecting them to their Savior God so they can enjoy eternal life in heaven as well. When we're thinking of our life that way, as part of God's big narrative, as part of God's big story, then that affects how we live, and it affects the value of all the different things that we do. Like Paul writes to the Ephesians, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Or as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So it may look different from person to person. It may look different from you to me. But when we are viewing our life through God's lens and seeing the importance of our time shining our light here on earth, then we're actively involved with something. We're pursuing God's paths. We're working on something good. And then when the option for something bad comes along, we're busy. (laughs) We're already working on something. Does that make sense? I mean, that's a good strategy, I think, for young people to stay on the right path is don't just sit there and and hope you can say no to the bad thing, but get busy working on the good things. That's a good piece of advice. Here's another one. The psalm writer says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. So here the idea is not just that God's word is guiding my path, but it's that God's word is something I bring with me on my path. I'm carrying God's word with me as I go because God's word is my weapon, my shield, my strength against temptation. And that point is what our second lesson was all about. 
Uh, that famous section from the last chapter in Ephesians, the armor of God. Uh, Paul says this, Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, all the temptations. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So if we had more time, or if I was preaching on that other text, we could walk through all those different items of armor, but what they all have in common is that all these things are found in God's word. Truth, righteousness, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the sword of the Spirit. These things are found in the Bible. So the Bible is your defensive weapon to protect yourself against the attacks of the devil. The Bible is also your offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And, and God says it's so powerful, even the gates of hell cannot stand up against the power of God's word. So, but here is the point. We've got the armor of God. God's word is like our armor. Here is the question, and, and really applying to this psalm. When should you put your armor on? When should you put your armor on? Well, preferably ahead of time, right? Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. So just, like, just visualize this. Imagine a football player who goes out onto the football field and he gets down in his three-point stance and he starts listening to the snap count and then just as the ball is about to be snapped, he now begins to think, I wonder where I could obtain a helmet and some shoulder pads. It's too late. He's, he's probably going to get a concussion, or worse, he's probably not going to make the play. Or what about a soldier in a battle? Maybe this is an old-school battle with old-school weapons, but imagine a soldier who goes out to fight a battle, and all he's wearing is his boxer shorts. He gets out to the middle of the battlefield, and he sees the dust rising from the enemy army, and he hears the shouts of their soldiers, and javelins and arrows start whizzing by, and he now thinks, it's probably about time for me to obtain some armor, and I wonder where I could find a sword. Too late. This guy's not going to survive the battle. Um, You've got to put your armor on ahead of time. You've got to put your pads on ahead of time. So this is just a great practical encouragement when it comes to God's word, arming us for temptation. Put your armor on ahead of time so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand. Read God's word, be connected with God's word, and that puts on your armor. And again, it's not specific things you do, but it's your worldview. You want to know who you are as a child of God. And you want to know why you're here in this world and where you're going to heaven someday and what your mission is while you're here. And when we know this, when God's word is reminding us of this, we have that armor on ahead of time. And then guess what? Then the day of evil comes. Then comes the big temptation where we are being tempted to mess up our life in a way that's going to have ramifications for decades to come. The temptation comes along to cheat at school, to do something unethical in our job, to do something unfaithful outside of our marriage. I mean, this is the day, and the devil is coming for us, but we're ready. The armor is already on. We put it on before that temptation came. And so now when the day of evil comes, we are able to stand. Does that make sense? 
I think that's a pretty good strategy for staying on the right path. That makes a lot of sense. Last strategy that's really connected to the last one. It says, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. So we don't have to talk about this one for real long. I think the point is clear. Um, if we want to immerse ourselves in God's word and plant it deep within our hearts, one good way to do that is to speak God's word out loud, even to memorize portions of God's word. So the Bible is really long. What portions might we memorize? Well, it's a good idea to memorize maybe verses that remind us which paths are right and which paths are wrong. Although we know a lot of that already from God's natural law in our heart and from our conscience, maybe the most important Bible verses to memorize would be the ones that remind us who we are. I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven of my sins and I'm part of God's family now. I'm going to be in heaven one day, and while I'm here, I'm on a mission to share Christ's love with the world. If you memorize different Bible verses reminding you who you are, then again, your armor's on, you're prepared, you're traveling in the right direction already. Again, good advice. So there you go. Three strategies for young people who want to stay on the right path. Actively seek God. Hide God's word in your heart. Commit God's word to memory. So we're good. Go do it. Is it that simple? <laughs> There's a saying uh, in the business world, and it goes like this, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Have you heard that saying? It just means you can have the best strategy in the world, but if the philosophy of your people that are there, if the attitude that you have, if, if you're not all united in the right way, you can have all these great strategies, but you're not going to do that. You're not, it's not going to all come together. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, spiritually, we might say something similar. We might say character eats strategy for breakfast. In other words, we can have all these perfect strategies of, of how to follow God and be a wise young person and do the right things, but it's not going to work if it's not backed up by our character, which is godly. And then this is the problem, is that our character is not always godly. In fact, the Bible teaches us our character is flawed. Our hearts are flawed because we're sinful. So this, all of a sudden, it seems like it just blows everything up, right? We have all this good advice of here's how we're supposed to live. Okay, great. But then when it comes down to it, I know what I'm supposed to do, and because of my sinful, selfish heart, sometimes I still don't do it. Sometimes we're looking at a path that we know perfectly well is going to be bad for us. This is a bad decision. This is not godly. This is not going to be helpful for me. I still do it. Sometimes we're looking at a different path, and we know this is not going to be beneficial for another person. Going down this path is going to hurt another person. But I kind of want to go down that path, so I just do it anyway. Character eats strategy for breakfast. We have all these great strategies, and then sometimes it falls apart on the battlefield because the problem is our sinful nature. The problem is us. And so the sad truth is that none of us have stayed on the path of purity every step of the way. None of us, old or young, have lived our whole lives according to God's word because we have this problem of sin. So now what? Now all of a sudden the discussion starts to change from how can I stay on the right path to what happens about all those times that I have not stayed on the right path.
And what does happen about those times? Well, God's word answers this. God's word talks about those times, and God's word does it by sharing with us the story of this one young person who always kept his way pure, who always lived his life according to God's word, who always took the right path, who always made the right moral decisions, who always helped the people around him. That person is Jesus. And this is the most important thing in all of God's word. This is the point of the whole Bible. Everything that Jesus did counts for you. It's important enough to say it again. Every single thing that Jesus did counts for you. So his perfect diligence in school and respect for his teachers, uh, his perfect work ethic in his carpenter's shop, I suppose, and the way that he dealt with all of his customers, his perfect treatment of all the men, women, and children that he ever met in his life, treating all of them with absolute respect and purity, his perfect connection with God, his devotional life and tie to God's word, every step of his spiritual path, his perfect prayer life, everything Jesus did counts for you. And then Jesus died on the cross, paying with his own innocent blood for all of our missteps and all of our failures and all the detours that we went down even though we shouldn't have and all the times we jumped off the path down a cliff and all the bad decisions we've made. Jesus' death on the cross paid in his blood for all of them and replaced them with what he has done, which now gets to count for us. This is the most important thing to know from God's word. It's not strategies about how to live better, although those are helpful, although those are nice, but the most important thing in God's word is knowing what Jesus did counts for you. And then in context, that is super incredibly important for a young person, because as we said, young people have a lot of options. And young people feel a ton of pressure to make the right decisions. And we feel a ton of anxiety that we're going to pick a big wrong one and we are going to mess up our whole life for years and decades to come. But God's word and our perfect Savior sets us free from that kind of pressure and anxiety. Because in Jesus, the way God looks at it, you've already lived a perfect life. In Jesus, the way God looks at it, you've already walked through all of the paths and you've never chosen a wrong one. What Jesus did, his perfect life, counts for you. So no matter what age you are, that sets you free from anxiety about future decisions and what if you take a wrong step? Well, there's forgiveness for this. And God's word sets you free, no matter how old you are, from guilt over whatever you might have done in the past because there's forgiveness for that. No matter what stage of life you're in, the message of Jesus in God's word sets you free. It sets you free to then make the best earthly decisions. Just a table falling over. I don't know how to weave that into the sermon. Um, decisions about stacking tables or something like that, but... Well, God's word sets us free for uh, picking as well as we can with the earthly decisions we have and then just trusting that God is going to bless it and take care of us one way or another. And then God's word also sets us free to face temptations and to face challenges and say there are right paths and there are wrong paths. And I trust that because of what Christ has done for me, God is going to help me choose the right ones. And as I do, 
God is going to use me to be a blessing to my world, even if tables fall down right at the end of my sermon. Amen. Um, and now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.